Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, Al McCoy here, and you are listening to the Solar Panel, the Phoenix Sun Show. So we want to hear from you on how you became a Suns fan. So head on over to our Facebook at Suns Solar Panel. Leave a comment the top post. Let us know how you became a Suns fan. Each week we're going to read one off. This one comes from Robert Hummer. who said he grew up in Phoenix and went to the Madhouse on McDowell with my dad and had the greatest time. It was 1988. Every year after that, I got to go to a few games, but I just remember listening to the games. Good old Al McCoy calling out Shazam and hanging out with my dad. I've never had another favorite team. Yep, that's how I grew up, I, uh, watching and watching on TV here. or listening on the radio with my dad. Yep, same here. Uh, the, the radio was a big experience. I've talked about that where we were too cheap to, to have the cables, so I would listen to the home games on a uh, little black Emerson radio in my room. And Al McCoy was basically my window to this, uh, to this team. And that's why I, to this day, I have the utmost respect for Mr. McCoy. Yeah. I, uh, uh, they were on channel nine, local channel nine for years until they got good enough to, to have to uh, put themselves on cable and, and all that. But they were on, uh, I loved it. They watched them on channel nine. It was simulcast with Al. Uh, calling the game on the radio as well as being the TV guy. And then uh, then they actually got themselves on cable and got different hosts and stuff like what, that. But. What city did you grow up in? It was Channel 45 here, my friend. Oh, you 45, 45. Why am I thinking yeah, nice? It was it 45, be, KUTP, right? Yes, yes, back in the day. And then it was Wasn't it UPN 45. And for a while. No, there's not even a Channel Nine in Phoenix. No, there was. There was a local no. Channel Nine. Yeah. Did you grow? Were you down in? Were you down in? <laughs> Doesn't Phoenix. Channel, channel Nine in Tucson. No worries. Uh, uh, Dave can't remember anything. I got to look, I man. Tell I'm getting too old. How it was, you know. <laughs> First is I don't remember the Desert City Six because I was four years old at the time, and then uh, now I don't remember the channel number. Back in the 80s. Yep, I'm losing. We've had some listeners like killing us because we didn't remember the Desert City Six. Yeah. Let let me make it very clear. I was, when they were playing, I was negative nine years old. So there's a good reason I don't remember that. Because nothing ever happened before Greg was born. No, but how do you have a memory if you weren't there? Like you you can't, like that's, that's the problem here. I know of the band. I just didn't know they were named the Desert City Six. I, hey, I'll tell you this. 
we're probably the only podcast that would even acknowledge the Desert City Six of the Five Hundred Suns podcast. So we have that going for us. Hey, we're also the only Suns podcast that would talk about the Desert City Six three weeks in a row. Wouldn't that be so <laughs> cool if there are listeners we could do an interview? I'm guessing they're in their 80s or not 90s at this point. <laughs> Yeah, well, this is the new radio. Podcast is the new radio, so maybe they are listening. Which, by the way, we are, on, uh, we are on Spotify now. So if you haven't had a chance to check us out on Spotify, you can listen to us there. So you're listening to the Solar Panel, Phoenix Sun Show. You can find us on all things social media. Just search at Sun Solar Panel on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram. You can follow us individually on Twitter as well. Myself, Tim Tompkins at Radio Tim NBA. Craig Esposito at Espo and Dave King at Dave King. NBA. Don't forget about Brightside Night, January 8th. I hear that Dave King has a giant, giant campaign for Giving Tuesday set up for Brightside Night. Yeah, it's where I'm going to tweet out, hey, donate on Giving Tuesday. It's awesome. Mm -hmm. I also did the uh, everybody donate on Thanksgiving. And while we got a lot of donations, and I really, really appreciate it, we're uh, we're well over 500 tickets now, um, but we have a long, long way to go for Brightside Night. Please find the link on the website, find the link on my profile on Twitter and Brightside's profile on Twitter as well, and donate. This is sending kids to an NBA game. Don't don't get all hoity-toity with me and saying, I don't want to watch the Suns. Kids don't care about what game they're watching. They just want to have the NBA experience. So. Buy some tickets, send some kids to the game, and you might even get something out of it for yourself. Think about that. Nine bucks and you can have a positive impact in this world. I mean, think about what you usually spend nine bucks on and the no little to no impact that usually has. This could actually really change, uh, you know, change something for a kid. I mean, it could it could wind up creating a lifelong fan. It could be one of those moments that helps a kid who's having a tough time realize that there's people out there that care Uh, just just take a chance on nine bucks and and see what you can do in this world so i did a bit of research and i posted this up on our facebook and i asked some of the listeners but i want to get your guys opinions and the question was, do the Suns need to change their scheme in close game situations? Right now, the Suns are 2-3. and three. They were 1-3 and three at the time of posting this. This was before the uh, the Bucks win. So games within five points and three minutes remaining. So clutch time, if you will. Devin Booker has a 72% usage rate and takes 62% of the shots. Uh, before the Bucks game, this was uh, 87% percent usage rate and 84 percent of the shots he's shooting 38 percent during that time and 16 percent from three that's on 2.6 attempts per game tj warren is the next closest player with a half an attempt per game during the final stretch of three minutes and suns games ayton has zero shot attempts mikhail bridges has 0.3 and now jamal crawford after the bucks game has one hey let's be honest they were trying to get Devin Booker that shot. They Eric were Bledsoe played better defense than he did the entire time. That play, Jamal Crawford's shooting was never part of that play. If you go back and look, they, no. they were desperately trying to get Devin Booker that ball and could not. So that trend was going to continue if Eric Bledsoe didn't completely uh, shut Devin Booker down on that play. Like yeah, they, so they Igor wanted the ball clearly, there. Yeah, Igor clearly has, needs to get better in end of game situations. He's got right now. They're obviously the team is a one trick pony. Devin Booker 
is a one trick pony taking the shots. Um, he he's he seems to be uh, in the point book experiment this past couple of weeks. He's really good the first three quarters on generating assists and getting his team involved and and uh, looking outside himself. And then once the fourth quarter happens, I mean, Friday night against the Bucks, he took 11 shots and he was he was guarded like a blanket. None of those shots. Well, one of those was open uh, because his defender fell down and he missed the shot. But the rest of them was heavily guarded. And he should just realize that that gives him a chance. There's other guys who are open then. Um, guys need to move. Guys were sticking in their spots. Their feet were glued to the ground. And the only reason Jamal Crawford got the shot in the final seconds is because he started out with the ball. So otherwise, he never would have gotten the ball. Booker would have dribbled himself into a, a contested fall away at 20 feet, 20 feet. And one time that won a game. And so he's going to keep trying that. So I think uh, uh, Booker is the the problem. One of the problems with Point Book is he does get tunnel vision toward the end and he wants to take all the shots because he is the best player on the team. But you've got to get other people involved, and and uh, um, that's that's an evolution that's got to happen. But wow, those numbers are incredible, Tim. I can't believe um, how extreme the usage rate is, is in close games in, in final minutes. That's it's incredible. And to me, that speaks to lack of trust, because if Booker does not trust the other guys on the court, he's going to default to, I know I trust in myself. I know I have the most skills on this team, and I'm going to try to carry this team, uh, in, especially if he's playing point guard in these situations mm-hmm. where he's just going to default to that. And I don't blame him. Outside of what TJ Warren's done this so far this year, who are you going to trust out there in those final minutes? They probably should trust DeAndre Ayton more. Yeah, I was going to uh, say that. Down low and get some easy easy buckets. But I can under- not trust a rookie yet in those situations but at some well, point you're going to have to put with, your faith in him and get the ball there too. Well the thing is with Aiden is um, he's he uh, doesn't demand the ball. He doesn't force himself open. He doesn't seal off his guy well enough in the closing minutes to um, to to be trusted to be able to catch the ball because and then the other teams uh, suck in like crazy on him. One's fronting and one's, one's coming in behind where he, when he does catch and where he goes up to catch the lob that the Suns invariably send this, this, you know, wet noodle lob uh, toward him, uh, there's three guys trying to uh, deflect the ball. So I can see why in crunch time uh, there's a little bit of a reticence to try to lob that ball in like that to him. But they've got to come up with a play because once Aiden does get the ball in his hands, he does know what to do with it. He either does pass out to an open guy because three guys have sucked in on him or you know, he he turns around because he's got a smaller guy on him and he scores. He's got a really good touch around the rim. So, yes, the Suns need to figure out ways to get the ball more to Aiden in crunch time. But Aiden has to figure out ways to get himself more available to receive a pass. To be clear, Aiden has zero shot attempts in the final three minutes of games so far this season with games within five points anyway. And I think that's wrong because yeah. he, if you watch him on offense – he does do decisive good things with the ball. He very rarely just gives up on the gives up on the play and lobs it back out to his guy at midcourt. He makes good decisions. It's just that in the final minutes, nobody trusts him because he's twenty years old. Well, and he also doesn't well, show also, he doesn't show enough emotion. You know, I, I I can see how people would forget about him almost in those clutch times because he's he's such a steady flame. To me, you don't. 
you need to have a lot of emotion. You just need to be efficient. If you can get them the ball, then they can get to the free throw line in, in these final three minutes in close games too. That'd be huge. And that, that's, that's what a big guy like that is supposed to be able to do. If you can get him the ball down there, uh, they're, they're likely going to foul him if, if he's got a, a good look to try to keep him from getting an easy bucket. These are the kind of things that this team needs to do. And part of it is that, that trust that we're talking about with Booker. Part of it is Igor isn't drawing up plays to, to get eight in the ball, but it, it's gotta be, it's gotta be a more even distribution if they hope yeah. to, to have a better chance in, in these close games of winning, because as much as I love Devin Booker, as much as I think he's got, you know, that quote unquote clutch gene, uh, you know, I don't think, he can do it by himself, and we're seeing that. And we've seen it the last few years that that he needs a running mate or two. And I think T.J. Warren and DeAndre Ayton are the guys that are emerging as as the people that they should be sharing the ball with in those final minutes. Well, that was interesting on Friday night. So I got a couple of points here I want to make. First was uh, was interesting on Friday night that the Suns came up completely cold when they, when Booker tried to tunnel vision against the Bucks, and uh, as the Bucks were going on that 14-0 run, uh, several of those possessions ended with a bad Booker shot or a Booker turnover. Um, and well, then Booker wasn't on the sudden, court for 11 of those 14 points. You're talking about at the end of the third? Booker? They, no, I'm talking about the 14-0 run in the middle of the fourth. Booker played the whole fourth quarter. Oh, I thought you were talking about the uh, the, the 11-0 run that the Bucks no, ended on. No, that was on. the 11-0 yeah. run. Yeah, he wasn't out there for That was the backups. That was um, uh, Crawford and Kanan. But God, that was no, a Booker was out there. lineup. Booker was out there the whole fourth quarter in that 14-0 run. He had at least two turnovers and three bad shots. He was three for 11 in the fourth. Booker was. Um, and nobody else took more than I think three shots in the uh, four shots in the fourth, and uh, Crawford had went three of four. Um, but I guess what I'm saying is that those numbers bore themselves out on Friday night against the Bucks until T.J. Warren got an, uh, or excuse me, uh, Trevor Ariza first got a broken play three. Guess what? Off of an Aiden pass because Aiden did make a good pass into the corner um, as the Suns finally did get the ball into Aiden in that fourth, and then uh, Reza made the three in the corner with nobody on him because they all sucked in on Aiden. And then T.J. Warren in the open court got got his three-point play, and so they got those six points to tie it up before the Crawford thing. So, yes, Booker needs to trust his teammates more, and his teammates need to make more plays when they do touch the ball, which they, they finally did. I, I, I think the Suns are going to figure it out. I think Igor is going to figure it out. What I thought was really interesting is that um, – uh, one of the things that Igor's kind of bad at is subbing for offense and defense, uh, especially in dead ball situations in, in clutch time. As we all saw against the Celtics, he left Kane and Ann Booker out there for that final possession when he never should have. And then last night, uh, Jamal Crawford literally subbed himself out uh, before that final possession uh, where the Bucks you know, went uh, – uh, Aiden got lucky on onto Takumbo, uh, but uh, Crawford literally subbed himself out and then got himself subbed back in for that game winner. So that was, that was really well done finally on an end of game uh, rotation change. And I thought that was hilarious that Crawford had to go and tell the coaches to take himself out of the game for that possession and put Bridges back in. Let's be honest if Middleton had any, any sense of tying, the Suns don't win that game. <laughs> they they weren't exactly guarding him real well. He had that shot if he had, uh, if oh, come gotten on. it, it off in time. Yeah. It forced him to double clutch. I mean, it's all about how you say it, Greg. <laughs> yes. I could spin it. I know. I did it for five years. I just don't feel like it right 
that was incredibly tight defense to force him to cl- double clutch and 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 run yeah. out the clock before letting it go. Yeah, that that's what it was. Okay, Dave, we'll roll with that. <laughs> uh, so the the free throw disparity. All right, so the Suns are 29th and getting uh, to the line in attempts per game at 20.1. They are 24th in fouling opponents getting to the line. Opponents are averaging 26.8. Uh, some of these have seemed a little bit ticky tack, but I hate to be like, "Oh, the damn refs, the damn refs." But it does seem I thought more it was interesting. more. And, and Myers Drysdale, who refuses to—I don't think she blames the refs very often at all—and she couldn't contain herself in Friday night's game <laughs> against the Bucks. <laughs> she gonna get fined for that? I don't know, but she could not contain herself, man. That was—I hate blaming the refs, but I guess I am right now. <laughs> well, it, it was the same ref on Friday night that was also the same ref for the Sixers game, right? Yeah. 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 So, you know, uh, and I he's a rookie. Know. It's only his first few NBA games ever. Yeah. Poor guy. Dude, being Calling a, those being two a ref would During be that so 14-0 hard. run, he called two tacks. The Bucks got two points off of technicals from Suns complaining about foul calls. From the bench, right? Yeah. One was from the bench and one was Booker. Oh, yeah. That's right. Booker. Don't want to give up points. To your free throw, uh, point. I mean, DeAndre Ayton needs to get to the line more, and part of that is, as we talked about, he's not getting the ball later in games. Uh, even Devin Booker, I mean, needs to get to the free throw line more. This is all about aggressiveness and, and and putting your you know putting yourself in a position to create fouls by the opponents. And this team is just not good at that. Uh, a list of Suns players' uh, free throw attempt rate. Who would you guys guess has the best free throw attempt rate of a player that is currently on the team? Josh Jackson. Uh, no, he is fifth or fourth. Anyway, Dave. Rashawn Holmes. Yep. Uh, 34.5%. Yeah, it, it, I figured it was one of those two because Josh Jackson's aggressive. As wild as he can be at times, is aggressive. Will drive the lane. Will try to right. get to the hoop. That's how you draw fouls. And Rashawn Holmes uh, isn't afraid to bang down low. And that's a, that's another way. You uh, can it's it's about yeah. Points. It's about arms and wild motion and stuff like that to create separation. You can now play the solar panel hands free. Just say to your Amazon smart speaker, Alexa, play podcast Sun Solar Panel. Who knew Alexa was good for more than just setting kitchen timers? It's not surprising to me that DeAndre Ayton uh, is is viewed as a not a great defensive player. When you're playing in a team that doesn't play good defense overall and around a lot of guys that are pretty bad at defense, it's going to magnify uh, the flaws that DeAndre Ayton has. And we, I mean, think I Tim and I even talked about this on last episode that even the defensive scheme leaves things to be desired. So at that point, of course, you're going to notice that DeAndre Ayton isn't very good defensively at times. And I think that'll come uh, as as the season progresses. But what's really driving me nuts here locally is there's two major rookies right playing right now in Arizona sports. It's DeAndre Ayton, it's Josh Rosen, right? And forgive me, this is going to be a little bit of a rant. But Josh Rosen, everybody wants to blow smoke up this guy's backside. Everybody wants to talk about how he's the next great thing and he's amazing and he has not played that that well. Like, I have not been overly impressed with Josh Rosen, yet the local media want to, wants to act like he's the savior. DeAndre Ayton is playing and playing well 
offensively getting double doubles and they want to act like this guy uh, is not very good somehow and it's driving me insane and they say well he doesn't have the aggressiveness i don't care about uh, about that aggressiveness quote unquote it doesn't have to be visual this guy is playing dominant at times offensively doing well on the glass and yes we know the defense it leaves something to be desired but this guy is showing more promise than any son's rookie sense of amari and maybe even more than amari that, that rookie season at times he's the best center that the Suns have ever had uh, at this point in his career when you're looking at it and you're going if you can project what he's doing beyond season one and look at it there's a good chance he'll be the best center ever in Suns history to Dave's point he's making an impact by drawing in defenses he's good enough to make the right pass and get his teammates involved like I don't get how there's not more respect for DeAndre Ayton and what he's doing. It's focusing on these like little things uh, right now with DeAndre Ayton, and, and it's driving me nuts. Give this guy some respect for what he's been able to accomplish in 18 games so far, uh, where you know you look at Josh Rosen again, and I have not seen that much. I know we this isn't a football show, but we haven't seen that much out of Josh Rosen. Everybody thinks he's the savior. You see, you see very encouraging things out of DeAndre Ayton, and it's nitpick. And I don't know if that just simply comes with being the number one pick overall or what, but, man, it's starting to drive me well, nuts. People react to intensity and spirit, and uh, DeAndre Ayton has, has not a low flame because he is one of the most productive. He is one of the most productive rookies out there. He's one of the best rookies the Suns have ever had, but he's got a medium flame. He's got a steady flame. And he doesn't fly all over the court and dive and and do all that, you know, screaming at the crowd and stuff like that. So he he definitely that's where people lose a little bit of love for for him is because you, he's not a guy you fall in love with. He is he's always been the most athletic, the biggest guy that that you know everything's come easy for him. And standard sports fans don't love that kind of player. They love the underdog. Yeah, but okay. David Robinson, Hakeem Olajuwon, those weren't high, high flame guys. Those were medium flame guys. The guys that just well, went out there. We and also did didn't what have social did media back did then. Well. David Robinson true. would have had a lot more um, local fan detractors in his first season or two um, because he also was a medium flame guy. I mean, Tim Tim Duncan's another medium flame guy. Like, I get it. You want you want to somehow get fired up more as a fan by a guy but geez i mean uh, you would think you would think this guy was playing at a so-so level like he was playing as if he was the 20th best rookie in this class rather than one probably the best so far out of this rookie mm, class uh, you know, you'd probably make an argument for trey yeah you know, you, you can make an argument for a, a guy that you don't like to be mentioned on this podcast no. as well look I okay, I, I looked at is, Luka Doncic has like an almost minus 10 net rating, but uh, his team has won more games for sure because their bench has been really good. And he is putting up some stats, although DeAndre Ayton almost has more assists than he does. But, Luka you know. Doncic is, is first in the rookie class for scoring, uh, second in assists, I believe. First and, in minutes. And third in rebounds. Like, he's been good. I mean, I realize that you guys don't like Luka Doncic, yeah, but he's been good. There's this rookie class no, overall has been not great. Like Luka Doncic. There's been, this rookie class has been much better than I thought it was going to be. Debate. Okay, look, I I don't mind. Look, 
Luka Doncic and DeAndre Ayton are both going to be very good players in this league. And I think they're going to be guys that we're going to consistently have that debate throughout the years because they're both good enough to have long, successful careers in this league. And that's perfectly fine with me. My point was DeAndre Ayton's been one of the best, okay? He's in that top top two, top three in rookies. It's not as if he's come out and shown poorly and other guys have played immensely well and and there's a reason to just be like well this guy is just totally we screwed the pooch with this guy even in a 4 and 14 start in an abysmal uh, looking both on offense and defense for this team DeAndre Ayton has been a consistent uh, force for them he has not wavered there's been very few games that that you haven't gotten you know 17 and 8 or 17 and 7 out of this guy He's consistent, and he's played well. So there's no reason to, to, to panic about this guy or freak out about this guy in, in any way. And I get it. People are going to be like, well, you're allowed to critique guys if you see things. I, I, I understand. But we also need to realize that the Suns have a very, very special, very good player here. And just because he's not screaming at people on the court doesn't mean that he's not good going to be successful and be a star long term with this team he's he's not Dragon Bender he's not Marquise Chris I don't dislike Luka Doncic please believe me please uh Luka Doncic is a great young player I just don't want us to be the fourth local Phoenix Luka Doncic fan pod there's already <laughs> enough of them out there Tim if you uh, want to join those pods you're welcome to no I, I like can, I can like you guys guest. I'm like you guys. Hey, I don't want to join them. Somebody said, "Hey, you can get Luka Doncic in a deal to add him to Booker and Aiton. I'd be the first one to sign the damn petition for it. All right, it's not that I don't like Luka Doncic. I just thought DeAndre Aiton was the right pick, and just got sick of even after the draft, people just trying to still stand for Doncic. All right, that's my that was my only issue. I never thought." that Luka Doncic was going to be a bad player in this league or a bust or anything like that. I just think and still think right now that DeAndre Ayton was the right pick and is going to be uh, as good, if not better, than Luka Doncic, all right? That's my well, only and I also I also think that the arguments are different. I mean, me with Doncic, I still want to talk about him. Other people with Ayton who love Doncic, like nitpick all day long about Ayton. Why not just appreciate both players? Or just don't talk about somebody if you don't if you don't want to. It's just crazy the uh, the all the nitpicking that DeAndre Aiden gets. I mean, the guy is pretty damn good. But, it's, um, yeah, we've I think gone it's, on and on. It's about it's that. because um, I I think a lot of the nitpicking just comes with being the number one overall pick. I think whenever you are the number one overall pick, that that the expectations are higher he was being nitpicked before he was picked number one yeah i mean that's that's part of it but the expect i'm talking about like from the fan base specifically i think that the expectations when you have when you are the number one picker are just always going oh. to stay with you you know rightfully wrongfully um i mean but hey at least we didn't get a mark l Fultz, right uh, exactly. Let's be honest. Or another Josh wandering. Jackson or another marquise chris or dragon ben hey josh jackson last year his um box plus minus was a negative 4.3 this year his box plus minus is a negative 7.2 hey he's progressing just in the wrong direction <laughs> wonderful hey, oh, and by the way am i the only one let's, let's talk about the games this week a little bit um am i the only one who thought wendell carter jr was like half the size i thought he was 
Like again in that Bulls game, <laughs> the dude looks like a small forward size wise. I don't know. Yeah, he was smaller than that. I thought he was about eight in size, but he is nowhere close to that. No. Yeah, not not exactly the uh, the imposing force that. It, yeah, that's what happens when you don't watch a lot of college basketball, and which I don't think any of us really do. And then you you hear these these stats and stuff going in to it and you just you get this picture in your mind of, of how this guy's gonna gonna look and yeah wendell carter jr not exactly the info uh, the imposing force that uh that yeah, i had somehow pictured he's definitely well. been effective and he could be a very good defensive player and all that it's just i was just shuck, struck by um his size that's all uh you guys want to do solar opposites yes all right let me i uh, got let me pull up the timer because I don't want Tim to freak out that we're not timing this. Correct. All right. A minute, a minute each direction, and then 30-second rebuttals. Dave, unlike you, I remember how this segment works. So <laughs> well, I'll never forget, so I'll I never it. forget it let's, again, that's for sure. Let's do this, gentlemen. It's time for Solar Opposites, where we uh, we take opposing views on the same topics. First quote, will playing point guard wear down Booker any more than playing shooting guard. Dave, we're going to start with you. One minute is on the clock. Go. Um, I don't, I, I personally think it's going to wear him down because he's, he's, he's getting bodied the entire time he's got the ball in his hand. And the more he's got the ball in his hand um, and dribbling and, and trying to create shots, the more worn down Booker's going to get. So whether he's, the, um, he's on the floor without a point guard or with a point guard, um, as long as Devin Booker is the primary ball handler, like Tim was already talking earlier, earlier in the in the pod, Booker leads the team and is one of the top five guys in the league in usage rates. I'm pretty sure. And then you get into the fourth quarter, and he's what? What did you say? 75, 80 percent usage rate? It's crazy. And if you let him start out every play, it's going to end in every play with him taking a contested shot. So. And that he's got guys all over him, embodying him up and all that. That's why I think he's going to wear down. I really don't think Devin Booker as your point guard is going to last as long as Devin Booker is your shooting guard. It's just not going to happen, and Booker's going to end up playing 50 games Time. again this year. Time's up. Time is up. Tim, uh, if you want to just edit in your argument from last episode here, that's fine, but I will let you have your minute starting now. To Dave's point, when it comes to usage rate down the stretch in games, I mean, usually your your team's best player, if you're talking about the Raptors, for example, with Kawhi Leonard, or you're talking about uh, the Boston Celtics with Kyrie Irving, when, when games are within five points, the best player tends to have the ball in his hands. And in those situations, it, it, even Kawhi Leonard is the one bringing up the ball. So I, I just don't think that the, the late game usage rate is a very viable argument for somebody. And it, as far as you know, putting more wear and tear on his body because he's the one that's dribbling the ball, um, just look at the last play of the... It's not the dribble. Hey, hey, my, my hey, minute. Hey, I'll uh, give you... If you, In an additional five seconds. <laughs> if you look at the last play of the game uh, against the Bucks, um, when Devin Booker didn't have the ball, he was getting bodied just as much. So whether or not he's having to run around screens guarding uh, uh, guarding shooting guards like that is going to take multiple hits on your body, the same as it will if you're the point guard. And if you want to talk about uh, mentally that putting wear and tear on your body, fine. Um, but physically, it just simply does not put any more wear and tear on your body to be the one with Time. the ball in your hand. So 
Yeah, I, okay. Yeah, I can't Dave, believe you didn't go, go all the way. Yeah, I got 30 seconds here. I can't believe you didn't go all the way to calling me the dumbest, having the dumbest take on the internet like you did the other day, Tim. Um, so uh, I commend you for holding, uh, keeping some restraint there, but it is not the dumbest take. Yes, he would have to run through screens and all that um, as, the, as the shooting guard running around and all that. That's true, but... I just think the wear and tear of the pressure mentally as well as physically, it's just going uh, just gonna to wear him down too much. Tim, it's time for your 30-second response. As far as you, if you want to talk about mentally what it does to Devin Booker to have the ball in his hands, like that part I, I simply don't agree with you on. Um, you could say it's a thinking position, and so it requires more mentally, and that's going to wear him down mentally. But I think that Devin Booker, if you look at him, he enjoys having the ball in his hands. I do not think, though, that having point book is the answer long-term for this team, but simply saying that because he's playing point guard rather than shooting guard is going to put more wear and tear on the body Time's up. isn't true. All right. You missed it. Isn't true. Did not make it in the cut. (laughs) I'm not counting that when I pass judgment on both of you here, uh, which is fun to to be able to do that finally. You know, I I sit here and I've heard both sides of this, and I lean towards Tim in terms of the thought process here, and we went through that on the last episode. I'm going to have to give Tim the point, though, for a different reason simply because i know dave wrote this question because he had beef with tim about what he said <laughs> last week or on the last episode and dave wasn't man enough to just write the question about saying why did you hate on me in the last episode uh by by shredding my uh, my opinion on this i so said that tim in my argument yeah, but no but i wanted the full full question should have just been tim why did you hate on me last episode? And that's what the whole debate should have been because it was obvious so that's what won. you really wanted. To it, All right. I don't know that you would Noted. have won that argument. I just would have been more impressed with you if you'd come out and not been passive aggressive about it. All right. <laughs> next question. Could Rashawn Holmes have a bigger impact with starters than Aiton does because of his energy and effort? Tim, you can just start this one. No. And, and that's because of something that, that Dave spoke to earlier, which is the, the, the gravitational pull of DeAndre Aiden. DeAndre Aiden, if you look at all of the best five-man lineups with the Suns, that DeAndre Aiden are not just five-man, five-man, four-man, three-man, and two-man lineups with the Suns. DeAndre Aiden is in all of them. Um, uh, you know, what we've talked about earlier on this episode having to do with the lack of offensive rebounding, um, that's an issue. But I do think that Igor Kokoshkov, or if you're the Bucks announcer, Igor, um, basically that he uh, is being used properly and he's perfect in the second unit. He's even good in late game situations um, with the starting unit because he can, if they're going to switch, Rashawn Holmes can switch out on guards and, and we can be completely comfortable with that. He moves his feet well, but. He would not be better in the starting lineup than DeAndre Ayton. Time is up. All Dave, right, so we're gonna we're gonna down. treat this like debate club, even though um, I originally had that same take. But I am gonna do the opposite take, and I'm gonna see if I can win this argument. Rishon Holmes shows a ton of energy out there. He's constantly moving. He's constantly he's he's contesting shots. He's jumping up and and blocking um, shots as they're coming in. His help defense is very active. He gets out there. He throws. He sets picks. He throws 
um, uh, screens and all that. He grabs rebounds. He fights for offensive rebounds. I think he'd be a marvel in that in that starting lineup. And then DeAndre Ayton could help buoy the second unit and be effective out there and drawing in the defenses so that the the lesser offensive players in the second unit can have a little bit more success uh, because DeAndre Ayton is using his gravitational pull, pulling defenders in at the rim. And then Josh Jackson would be in love with having DeAndre Ayton in the second unit because Josh would be able to throw lobs constantly weak uh, wet noodle lobs into into Aiden and then uh, they'd have their fill against second units and maybe Aiden would get Dave your time is up Tim 30 second response starts now the the point about Josh Jackson being able to lob to Aiden is actually kind of interesting and I I don't hate that but that's under the presumption that Igor is doing um, hockey lineup shifts, and, and that's simply not the case. I mean, most of the time, some of the starters are mixed in with the bench units, and some of the bench units are, are mixed in with the starters, so it's not like it's it's full um, lineup shifts when the when the bench is playing. But uh, that would actually be a really interesting thing to do, and I think that Igor should try it one game uh, just up. to see if it works. No, you just, oh, I have to win this Dave, one, man, because Dave, Tim just switched arguments right in the middle. I did it. So, it's interesting. No, I, yeah, it's interesting. Uh, no, but I so you have to give me this point, Greg, and I'm just going to talk for the next 30 seconds about how you have to give me the point because Tim switched because I convinced him, even though I came in with the argument that Aiden was better in the starting lineup. Um, it is possible that Rishon Holmes could have an impact, but I think overall um, his his impact would be less effective um, if full-time with the starters is all. But, um, yeah. I'm going to give – because this is very much like whose line is anyways, and the points don't matter at all because none of us are actually keeping track of who's winning points in this. So I'm going to give Dave the point because, yes, coming in and having the uh, the original argument that you wanted taken and then actually having a convincing argument why Rashawn Holmes might actually uh, make an interesting impact in the starting lineup, uh, you definitely get the point. To me, I've got a thought on this. What if you played both? No. No, good no. Shifted Aiton to power forward. No. I don't know. Tim, no, he was pretty successful in college at power forward. I'm just saying, it, 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 oh. you've got these lineups that can't rebound, right? You're not having effectiveness. Maybe try that one game. I'm not saying it's the solution, but maybe it actually <clears throat> has a positive no impact on your defense and and your rebound. The only kind of coach that would ever do that kind of lineup is a coach that would play Jamal Crawford and Isaiah Cannon together for serious minutes. No, we've seen the Twin Towers. Oh, I just so don't ever want to see the Twin Towers again. Look, I'm just saying it worked for him at U of A, uh, and he he was able to still be impactful if, playing if with the conventional else. center next to him. If nothing else, Igor is a man of his principles. He believes in having a point guard that's not named Devin Booker out there, and he believes in DeAndre Ayton being only a center. He talked about that all summer, and DeAndre Ayton is only going to be a center in the NBA. He's got to learn that position. That's the first time at any highly competitive level that he's played center. I think so, too. When you're looking at when you're looking at a flawed roster, if you're trying to get wins and you have to get creative somehow— that might not be the worst thing because it's not sustainable to have guys like TJ Warren and, and Mikhail Bridges and, and, and these and Trevor Reese are these smaller guys playing power forward and giving up the, the, the rebounding that you are, that this roster is, I'm not saying long-term Deandre is a center should only be, be a center uh, as his main position, 
but you might have to get creative at, at some point if you want to win and not be completely abysmal this season. And that's one potential option because there, there's not a real, there's not a whole lot of options at point guard other than putting Booker there to get quote unquote creative. So the only other spot is power forward that you're going to have to get creative. And right now, Rashawn Holmes is proving he deserves the minutes he's getting. Obviously, DeAndre Ayton is playing well, and and outside of that Milwaukee game, nothing has really clicked for that bench. And and you might have to get creative. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying it's a long term solution very much like point book isn't a long-term solution but this roster is highly flawed it does not appear that they're prepared to make any moves at this point to address any of those things and may not until well into december or beyond if they do anything this year to address it so maybe just gotta get creative at some point it beats starting rashawn holmes i'll tell you that much i'm honestly surprised himself without aiden I'm honestly surprised that we haven't seen any minutes of the two of them together. I, I'm not, but then again, I'm. I was. I wouldn't have. I would have said I'm not surprised to see some of those lineups, and we have seen them. So, Igor's gone through uh, about a I don't know, uh, thirty, forty different lineup combinations. So it is kind of a surprise in that regard that we haven't played, seen the two of them together. Only. Three of them have played more than 40 minutes together. Well, and let, let's be honest. This isn't Alex, Len, Tyson, Chandler playing together. These are two immensely athletic guys that, that would be playing together. So it's different in that, that standpoint, too. It's not your traditional, quote-unquote, twin towers. It's not two uh, you know, relatively stiff guys that, that can't move around. Uh, and Aiton has a jumper too, so it's not like it's it's two guys that can't can't stretch it. Rashawn Holmes doesn't, but at least Aiton does. Not the solution, not a long term fix, but maybe something to experiment with to see if if you can fix some of those rebounding woes for stretches in the game for sure. Hey, it's Amino Hassan, and you're listening to the Suns Solar Panel Podcast. Uh, we're coming up on time. Let's do three headlines from Suns Reddit. The first one. This is coming from MPSTAHLO8. Postal 8 I guess is how you pronounce that. And this one's funny. You can't see the picture, but I'll just have to read it for you. ESPN forgot to update their predetermined outcome. And on the bottom of the screen, it said, Phoenix, seventh straight loss versus Milwaukee. <laughs> some, that in, is... some intern went oh, some wow. intern went hey it's a holiday weekend let's just guess what's gonna happen and get out of here dude he very well could have wow. written that with a minute and a half left in the game when the when the bucks had a 114 108 lead after a 14-0 run uh and it looked like the sun's spirit was broken so he very well could have done that close to the end of the game i don't think any of us would have written the headline that actually actually the game turned out as. Honestly, if he had just been half watching too, he may have thought that Middleton shot counted and, uh, and just put it up. Yep, that seems right. Let's, let's roll with that. Oh, wow. Oops. It was thanks to the Suns' tight defense that Middleton didn't get a shot on it. <laughs> let's keep rolling with that. Uh, Kurt for peeps said, is Joe Prunty the head coach? He's the one talking during the timeouts while Igor is like three feet away. 
Also, okay, so the Bucks announcer got Kakashkov right, but he didn't get Igor. <laughs> it's like somebody trained him on how to say Kakashkov. Right? Who but says they Igor? They do the first name. <laughs> Was it in Young Frankenstein? Dave, this is a question for you because Tim is is not going to know. This. In Young Frankenstein, didn't they refer to him as Igor? Uh, they referred to him. Yeah, as Doctor Frankenstein, before. and what didn't they call him? Igor? Frankenstein and Igor. I think yeah. maybe, uh-huh. and maybe, maybe he's just simply that. That, or he thinks it's like an Apple product, and uh, you know, it's it's the lowercase i, big G, you know, uh, like <laughs> like iPad. It's Igor. You know, he's very know, interactive. Maybe, maybe that's what it is. <laughs> just, I have no clue. It's pretty easy to get pronunciation right. They actually provide it for you in media guides. And you know, in, I think they're in is, the daily packet. Yeah. You know? In in the in the loudness of the arena and all the the background music during timeouts and and just the ambient noise, I would not be surprised if there is a language barrier. Um, as far as you know, uh, Igor, it is. I think English is like his third or fourth language, um, and it is hard to understand him even in a totally quiet room. So I would not be surprised if if. Igor and Prunty have agreed that Prunty is going to be doing the the timeout instructions. It's not that Igor is not the head coach. It's just that Prunty is the uh, American that the players can understand better. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case. I don't know for sure. We can ask. Um, I'll certainly ask next week when the Suns are back in town. We'll see what kind of answer he gives. Um, but I think I think it's going to be related to that language issue. Does does that mean Lindsey Hunter didn't speak very good English because Igor was running the uh, the huddles uh, during timeouts when ha, Lindsey Hunter was true. the head coach and Igor was the lead assistant? Igor was the one running all the huddles. So I I, I don't know. That's really I have to be honest. I haven't watched the huddles uh, enough to to really know the difference. Uh, honestly, it's not. Uh, I, I've admittedly only been in the building for for a couple games, and they don't show a whole lot of timeouts on TV. And yeah, uh, when I've seen the timeouts at games, I've seen Igor doing a lot of the talking. I'm not quite sure um, how somebody, if they in Milwaukee, especially. Um, I don't know when that question was was posed on Reddit, but yeah, I'm not sure how often any. Game. Yeah, any TV coverage would have shown um the the sun's timeout huddle a lot so there were a few um he was it wouldn't be what's that he was he was talking a lot during him but uh, yeah but once the question was posed then i had to think did i see did i see uh igor talking during any of them and then i couldn't remember um but there were at least and a few where he wasn't did he Igor happened to catch a cold or something in, in bitter cold Milwaukee or Chicago where they've been and, and was having trouble with his voice. I mean, there's a million reasons that, that it could have been that way in Milwaukee, none of, none of which necessarily mean Igor, which I think is where this, this question was going, that Igor is somehow unfit to be doing his job. Yeah, yeah. I, it could also be that you know, hey, it could be like when Steve Kerr had the players running the huddles against the Suns. You know, maybe they because Joe Prunty was coming home to the Bucks. Maybe they just let him run a couple huddles. Or, I don't know. Or maybe maybe he did have some valuable insight in, in the <clears throat> tendencies of of some of these guys that he was was trying to shed light on. I don't know. I mean, there's That's a, a, good there's point a lot too. of yeah. You know, he could have been saying hey. He could have been instructing hey, on on what I mean, their tendencies are. Yeah. Yeah. 
it could have been a total thing like that where, hey, I know that Middleton tends to do this. Or Antetokounmpo, if you if you get him in this situation, he struggles more than others. And there's there's a lot of reasons in in that case a, a guy coming from from Milwaukee that knows a lot of the tendencies could have been uh, could have been heavily involved. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna read too much into it. But I love that. I love that the detectives on Reddit will. So they got to have something to talk about. <laughs> so we're gonna have to end the episode there. Uh, it's my hey, fault. I'm actually. Uh, where's my? Huh? Where's my third question? I don't. I, I'm going. I, I missed my third. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to work with the shooting coach right now, uh, and it's forty dollars an hour. So hold on. Wow. Yeah. Hold good, on. No, good. we are not. We are not stopping the episode. No, no, we're not stopping the. Dave or, or Tim just admitted that he plays. He plays pickup basketball, right? We're not talking. He didn't pay to join a league. He's not in no, some. No, no, I, I, I do. The I do pay leagues. Pick up basketball. I, I do okay. paid leagues too. Okay, so so you are paying some dude forty bucks an hour to try to teach you how to shoot, so you can yeah. play better in pickup games. Yeah, that's some serious. That's some focus. I, I get, appreciate that. I, get, I respect um, that. I get most of my. Um, uh, I get the majority of my points off of cuts uh, i'm a really good cutter um my my i have a really good like six or seven foot baseline shot but my my three-pointer just it isn't there i don't take a lot of three-pointers uh in games anyway but if i had a three-point shot it would really open up my drives uh so i want to get a better three-point well, shot if you, if you do it like tj take a thousand of them well, the problem I is i have coach, a, i have a three-year-old four thousand of them hey, <laughs> right. hey, tim Tim, I, I know Eddie Johnson having worked with him for years. I'm pretty sure he put out an instructional DVD. I can get you a copy of that for free and save you the $40 an hour. No, because it comes down to not being able to watch your own shot while you're taking it. And so you have to have someone that, that can tell you what you're doing wrong. Now, there's a couple of things I did uh, recently that have improved the jump shot. One is adding a dip in the shot, and that's been really productive. Um, but a shooting coach is, is worth it. I think it's worth it too. Didn't didn't Steve didn't, didn't Steve Nash just come out with an app that you can set back while you're shooting? It'll analyze it for you. Like I think he was Ooh. part of that group that that just came out with it for the iPhone using their augmented reality. Oh, well, check that check out. out. I'm sure it's cheaper than forty can bucks he, too. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm just gonna trying to for my help you. Swing? But I gotta go. Sure. All right. Good luck <laughs> with your shooting, coach. I have have fun shooting. Enjoy it, Tim. Make that forty bucks worth it. You just got done listening to The Solar Panel. For more great Suns content, check out the Timeline podcast for stuff like this. There's no way that Hakeem Olajuwon makes his own pancakes. <laughs> I'm really sorry that you just made a great coherent point and that's all I had to respond with, but it, all it did was lead me to look up the fact that Hakeem Olajuwon made $110 million in his NBA career and God knows how much since then. He easily has someone at his ranch to make his pancakes, right? That's The Timeline, a Phoenix Suns podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. 
That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com.